It's June 10th, 2023, and this is episode 30 of The Mike Newman Show, where, hey, you guessed it, one more time, Tim and I meet up at our favorite North Austin eatery for a little bit of uh, just chit-chatting and frivolity and seeing where topic takes us. We ended up talking about, oh, you guessed it, a little bit of space and um, really kind of something about heights and depths. We'll talk about that a little bit. And the main topic, we finally get around to it, and that is some experiences Tim had uh, growing up on uh, his father's farm in western Oklahoma and converting horse-drawn implements to tractor-powered implements. We had good fun. Hope you enjoyed our discussion. See you at the end. <laughs> so once again, we've done our usual talk about what could have been content in a contest for, or uh, in, in, uh, in an episode now we're going to think of something now we're else, like, I guess. All right, what's what's good for public consumption? Yeah, but but just as but, a a reminder to ourselves, almost we had a really cool conversation mm-hmm. about Pink Floyd concerts and production and all that kind of stuff. So uh, anyway, it was good. How the machine is out to get us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, 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 there are regulars here at the Waterloo Ice House, uh, I- I- including us. And uh, folks will stop by and, and ask us what we're talking about this week. Or, <laughs> or what, even, we're what doing, are you guys doing? Or what are you guys doing? <laughs> all right? yeah. And one of the ladies that I've, I've really spoken with for years that, mm-hmm. that's been coming in here stopped by and, and I, we made the observation that, that on a previous episode we'd, we'd been talking about space stuff. Mm-hmm. And she uh, observed, oh, well, when I was young, I used to babysit for Michael Collins. Mm-hmm. And and uh, both Mike and I got this wide-eyed look on our faces, uh, saying that well, we, we we might be the certainly the only two people in the uh, the the only two people in the uh, restaurant that would be overwhelmed with the idea that we knew someone that was babysitting for one of the astronauts. Yeah, uh, and she observed that well, her father had worked for NASA for many years. 30 years or so, some such. And she had, she had babysat for, I think, more than one astronaut, but in mm-hmm. particular had, had babysat for Michael Collins. Uh, she observed that he, he made the comment this, she made the comment this morning that he, she still remembered him driving over to their house uh, in his Volkswagen bug uh, hmm. uh, with, uh, uh, I guess, dropping the kids off or, or something and, sure. and, 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 and the like. So, in the conversation, she she allowed us how she had uh, a couple of three photographs uh, from the from the space era back there when, and she would be happy to bring them in and give them to us if there was something we wanted to do with them. So this morning, she actually brought in the, uh, the photographs. Uh, there there are three photographs that are are uh, uh, deal with the space shuttle and. Uh, I'm just laughing. There's a dog behind you that really wants to stay at the restaurant uh-huh. on his little spot back there on the bench, and he's literally being carried out now by his owner, <laughs> just lifted out of the chair. Because 
You know, everybody wants to see what we're doing over here, Tim. Right. Yeah, especially the dogs. They're, well, they're, I, 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 I attract dogs. I love dogs, so that's that's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so, the way the world's supposed to work. I'm sorry that I distracted you. <laughs> oh no, that, that, that's fine. I, my my daughter was over uh, when was it Wednesday, I guess, and brought brought her dog over, and I sit in my recliner in front of the the TV set, and there's a little pathway beside right beside the the recliner where mm-hmm. the dog can walk up right beside my right arm and just in perfect position to scratch her back for a while. Mm-hmm. And then she can just circle around the back of the recliner and go visit the rest of the house. Right. So this is just a recurring thing when she comes to visit me. Uh, she needs to get a little fix of back scratching. Mm-hmm. She'll walk by, she'll stop expecting me to scratch her back. I do. She goes on and does something else. Yeah. Uh, she loves it when my wife is home because my wife, uh, I, I, I've characterized it, my wife occupies our entire house at one time. Yes. Because she always has things going on that permeate the house, and she's always walking back and forth. Uh, she'll do a little bit in a back bedroom, and she'll go to the kitchen, and she'll right. go to the garage, and it, it's just she's in constant motion. And the, the dog, my daughter's dog, loves to come and visit because she will spend just as much time as, as my wife will let her following her around. Mm-hmm. So my wife will walk through the house, and here come the dog walking right behind her. And <laughs> the, my wife will come back going the other direction through the house, and the dog is right behind her. So yep. if I'm sitting in my recliner, then that's a marvelous slight side yeah. uh, step. Uh, my wife will walk through the house. The the dog will pick up where he left off. Yeah, come come by, get get a little, get a bit of back scratch, and then Mm -hmm. uh, circle circle around and and head off again. So, it's it's interesting how dogs learn, or animals in general learn how to how to deal with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, They train us. Yeah, uh, certainly. And you you learn your purpose in their their daily experience. For the cat, the cat, I'm I'm staff. Yeah, Uh, you know periodically uh, make sure she's fed, pick her up and put her on the bed or take her off the sofa and put her on the floor. So she's, she's old. Uh, it hurts to jump up. It hurts to jump down. And I understand that. So yeah, that's, that's my purpose in life is oh. to, is to take care. And, and the cat has to listen to me, talk to her during the day. So yeah. she's my conversation that's outlet. It's a good so exchange. It, it works well. So the photos, the these, photos, the photos are, arrived today. They they are, and they and they're of the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was uh, speaking uh, when I uh, before Mike showed up. Actually, one of the I had the photos out, and one of the the wait staff, a young lady that uh, that we we've known here, uh, she's in college now, mm-hmm. so she's of that age, and. Uh, I, I found it interesting. I, I, I was showing her pictures of the space shuttle, and I said, asked her, have, have you ever seen a shuttle launch? And she said no. And it suddenly dawned on me that mm-hmm. that she, she's, she's only in her, in her early 20s at, at, mm-hmm. at best. She's never seen the space shuttle launch. Right. right. And uh, uh, I, I observed that, that it, it, it's interesting among young people now to... to, to Look at people of a of a certain age and and understand what it is that they've never experienced. Right. My my oldest uh, daughter is is in her uh, uh, 
40s, I guess 40s, now. Yeah. Yes. She's never seen people walk on the moon. Mm-hmm. And I, I that that still that still amazes me that 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 we 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 learned 50 years ago how to go to the moon and take people there and bring them back and we forgot how to do it. Well, I'm I'm 54. I cannot recall a live viewing of a Saturn V launch and therefore any video coming back live from from the moon. I've I've watched lots of replays because as we spoke I'm a, I I I'm a space nerd as well and I remember the shuttle you know you you would take you would find a way to see the the first shuttle launch. I remember watching uh, the Enterprise literally just land. <laughs> when it, when, all it did. <laughs> when it, when, yeah, when it was on the top of the 747, and it you know separated and had the the T-38s chasing it on the side. And I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. But um, so you know, an unpowered flight of the of the space shuttle, and so I'm I do remember um, the Apollo Soyuz uh, docking and the, and the live video of that. So that would have been, I guess. Um, what was that mid seventies, seventy three, seventy four, something like that? Something yeah. like that. So, but that was just after the <laughs> Apollo, and uh, you know, so that was, um, yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, I I can relate to that. And and today, I don't know if there's an interest as much in space as there is in technology. Um, you and I, given our our space, our love of space missions, and just that whole exploration um just the drive for that to do that mm-hmm. we, we that that inspires us i think in a way it, it sets off a spark and i don't know that the the uh, mobile phone generation you know the the device generation um has that same permeated passion for it that elements of my generation gen x had and, yeah. and certainly yours as as being a, a child of the space race right well we, we experience things differently and, and, and generationally we experience things differently mm-hmm. and it, it it's it's something you, you have to think about i guess to really appreciate uh, i i I think about it in the terms of, of as, as I've stated, th- these are experiences that I, I've had. I remember, uh, I remember watching launches of, uh, of vehicles that uh, went to the that went to the moon, took people, brought them back, mm-hmm. and the the experience of or realizing that there were literally billions of people around the world watching their TV sets and watching that go on. Right, so so that. That gives me uh, mm-hmm. a, a grounding, if you will, in, in, in those memories. It's more it's di- more difficult for me to appreciate what I what I'm sure is the experience of of younger people today. And I, I, uh, you made comment to the, the mobile phone generation mm-hmm. that that there are people that. Are experience sharing experiences through those devices, yeah. In a way that that it's hard for me to relate to because we right. we did it in a different way. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, and so I I, I, I I very often I should say sometimes, but I, I'm sure it's more often. Uh, I forget about the fact that we we have evolving social structure, uh, we have evolving social mechanisms, and it's not that that we lose that; it's that we experience things in different ways. And I got a great example of that, as you were saying. So even going back to this would have been. So one of the things that I'll, I'll just say, um, I'm not a big Red Bull drinker, but I am a huge uh, fan of how they've used that brand and their money to push the boundaries of all sorts of things. Like they sponsor teams in virtually every motorsport, rallies, um, Baja, mini Baja, everything. And they, they will sponsor um, cutting edge, like, Guinness Book of World Records type activities and one of them was the highest um, parachute drop of a human ever, uh, Felix Baumgarten in this weather balloon that lifted him up literally into the stratosphere and then he jumped and lived to tell about it and that entire thing was live streamed and I was able to watch it on my 4G, shiny new 4G mobile phone over a 4G network while I'm driving down the road. Now, how do you remember this, Mike? Well, it was on a Sunday, and I was taking my son to church, and they were doing the lift. So he was rising up to that altitude as we went into church. And then at the very end, I'm like, okay, I turned the thing back on, and he's there, there, He's doing his safety checks before he opens the door. And so my son's sitting in the back seat of the car holding my phone playing it as loud as he can so that I can hear what the commentator's saying and everything. But that was live streamed to anybody who had a device on that network that could experience it. It probably was on broadcast somewhere, mm-hmm. but that's not how Red Bull marketed the whole thing was we're going to bring this directly to you and you can, you're going to hear him speaking in his, I mean, there were cameras in the capsule. There were cameras on his suit so you, you're exactly right. We're experiencing the world and we're able to share what that person is experiencing to the level that we have ability to, to do that practically in real time. And we spoke of SpaceX with the cameras on the, on the ship and everything else and just the views. Um, yeah, we're, we're experiencing it in a different way. And, and as I've said before, one of my, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of debunking my own skepticism of this generation everyday astronaut is a completely um another basically this guy is starting a little media operation he was just doing out of a of a retrofit van that he put together to follow all of these commercial space launches right it was fascinating so there's just so many different ways now that are outside of the mainstream that are happening certainly my my personal experience of of of, of exactly the, the experience Mike was just talking about, a guy jumping out of a balloon at 100,000 feet, mm-hmm. uh, was, was my experience in watching the, the movie tone uh, video at the movies of the guy that did that, that set the record that mm-hmm. this latest guy broke. And that was back in literally the early 1950s. So, so uh, you think about it, it's... 60, yeah. 65 years ago, a guy 
went up in a, in a far less capable parachute Suit and, a, and you know, everything, yeah. and, and and did the same thing, jumped out, and and, and in that case, he, he did have a a camera with him. Uh, there, there was a, but these were this, this was a, a, a film, film camera, yeah. Uh, but there was one in the capsule that uh, that had a picture of him jumping out and disappearing into the distance below, and uh, uh, another. Uh, uh, camera that he had with him of uh, a few scenes in progress and then cameras uh, on the ground of his parachute coming in and landing mm-hmm. and, and, and the like so very different definitely not in not in real time yeah uh, but uh, it was it was what it was I guess and uh, I, I still appreciate the fact that in that in that period uh, we, we saw pictures of, of that guy jumping out of a of a, uh, a balloon at a hundred thousand feet, whatever it was. Uh, also, uh, pictures of uh, of uh, taken by uh, guys that went down in the the bathosphere. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, a, a, yeah. An, an underwater, uh, literally an underwater balloon, a a, a, right. a, a spherical, a spherical pressure pressure vessel. Yeah, pressure vessel sitting underneath a much larger vehicle filled with kerosene. Hmm. So the 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 buoyant fluid in that case was not air; it was kerosene, uh, being lighter than water. Uh-huh. So he went down. Uh, uh, two guys were, were in this and went down as deep as you can go. They went to the the bottom of the Marianas Trench. At uh, uh, I don't know, that's around thirty-five thousand feet. So yep, you're sitting. You're sitting th- it's just shy of thirty-five thousand. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're sitting in a capsule and and. The, the pressure outside is the pressure of, of, of a seven-mile column water yeah. that's trying to squeeze you uh, down. And, and indeed, uh, they had, I, I think it was literally a solid steel uh, sphere that they were in with plexiglass mm-hmm. windows. But they, that, that sphere was noticeably smaller <laughs> when they got to the bottom of their dive than it was when it was at the top. And, and so if you think literally of a... Of the steel a ball, being compressed. Yeah, just a steel ball that's ball being compressed uh, in, by, by several inches. It, it's yeah. with, uh, somewhere, where, where was it? Uh, uh, it was in a movie, but uh, it, was, it was a movie about a, a nuclear submarine uh, and, and, and going down. And, and uh, one scene in the movie was uh, the old grizzled chief mm-hmm. uh, back in the... In the uh, in their stateroom, or not stateroom, their their bunk room, had a had a string stretched between the two sides yeah, of, the, of, the of the boat. Boat and watch it go slack. And you watch it go slack. You know, <laughs> yeah. as, as you're getting deeper and deeper, all of a sudden there's there's this this hanging arch. Yep. <laughs> Which is, by the way, as a physicist, I have to point out, is shaped like a catenary. A catenary. Catenary. A catenary is the. Uh, is the shape of a of a uh, uh, of a string, if you will, that's suspended at two ends and is subject only to the force of gravity. The the so uh, is that a segment of a parabola? No, no, no it's not. It's a different no, curve. It's, it's a different curve. Completely different curve. Very, very curve. Yeah, it's a it's a favorite uh, 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 first year grad student problem for an examination. Okay. Uh, get right write the formula for a catenary. Uh, and, and you you can do it. I don't think I'd ever really expected to. That's an interesting the, point. Uh, yeah. the the gateway arch 
yeah. in uh, St. Louis mm-hmm. is an inverted catenary. Ah, there so you go. So they, they basically uh, mm-hmm. uh, did a calculation of what it would look like. Uh, it, it's the the two ends supporting it are are close together. So so you yeah. you've got a you've got a very sharp pointed ish point, yeah. But it's an inverted catenary. If you turned it around, that's exactly what a cable would look like. Uh, suspended uh, from those two points, those but two just points. very close together. Very close together, yeah. That curve. Yep. Yeah, my son and I went up that. Um, that was an interesting experience. We were in uh, we were in pod number seven. I don't know if they called them pods or not, but it was it's a tight little space up there at the at the top. Looking well, out it, the windows. It, it has to move. It, it, it's an, as an elevator, it has to move rather weirdly because yeah. it, oh, it's got it's this like a, it's like the elevator in the in the in the, the uh, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it has to move sideways and backwards and forwards and the whole bit. Oh, it was it was fascinating, mm-hmm. and uh, that was cool. It was uh, if you ever get a chance, folks, check it out. <laughs> go, go, to, go to St. Louis. Go to St. Louis. There's there's a lot of cool stuff in St. Louis. There is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we. I mean, we've gone to great heights and great depths. I, I would be remiss if I kind of left the uh, jumping from a platform or a capsule hanging from a, an, a uh, weather balloon. There was actually another. Um, it may have actually forget exactly when it happened it was about the similar time frame as the felix baumgarten jump just wasn't as um uh highly publicized but that's a documentary was made later about that um i think it's on amazon or netflix or something and and that was a really cool behind the scenes thing of their attempts and it, it took them about 18 months to two years over time and you see how they Tested out things, got together out in, I think they launched from um, New Mexico or Arizona. Um, it was, anyway, if I get around to show notes someday, I'll put the link in there. But th- that's a good one to watch um, if, if it's still available up there. Good stuff. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're ever of a, of a mind to, to look up a few old things, uh, go look up the, uh, the term International Geophysical Year. Starting in uh, in uh, I want to say it was July the first of 1957, the uh, the, the world I, I assume it was probably uh, sponsored through the United Nations, uh, but the world uh, uh, went through an 18 year 18 month period called the International Geophysical Year, and during the course of that year or that 18 month period. Uh, there was a lot of interesting exploration that <laughs> took place. Uh, some very interesting things. A lot of lot of exploration in Antarctica at the time. Learned uh, learned a lot about Antarctica, uh, which was really cold and really distant and really isolated in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it still is today, which which but I, I I think is fascinating that there are still some places on, on the Earth where. Getting there and back is not a given, right? And yeah. uh, so, so the episodes that we've seen within the last few years of uh, people, particularly uh, at the South Pole Station in Antarctica, coming Medi- down with medical uh, emergencies, medical and emergencies, like that, yeah. and you just couldn't get there. You got to make here. it till spring. Or, uh, and, and 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 in uh, in one instance, uh, they had a, a medical emergency. I think that was so severe that 
they had a volunteer air crew that went in, I want to say about a month before they should have been able to. It wasn't mm-hmm. the it wasn't the dead middle of right. the Antarctic winter, but it was not yet springtime enough where you should have been able to fly in. Yeah. But they 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 made arrangements. Uh, I think if I remember right, they actually had two planes that uh, that made the trip so that they they had in essence a spare mm-hmm. that uh, because if, if anything failed all they were going to particularly if it, if it failed when they had landed uh, all they were going to be able to do was was leave one plane there and hopefully be able to take the other one out right uh, but but it was it was a volunteer crew it was a uh, not given that they would be successful, that they would be able to get in, mm-hmm. uh, land uh, near the South Pole, uh, pick up the, the the person that had the medical emergency and haul them out. But but they successfully managed it. But mm-hmm. again, just fascinating that there are that there are uh, uh, places that getting to and back uh, is not a given, and it's it's hard for us, I think, to. To as a society, to, to almost to accept that yeah. today, we, 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 we want to think that mm-hmm. that we can control anything that um, uh, that, uh, or at least if we can't control it, we have the ability to push through it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. So one of the things we discussed, or at least um, you had an idea on, which as I read it yesterday, I was like, well, that's probably got an interesting story behind it. I have no idea where you were going with it, but if you want to take a shot at it, go for it. Oh, my, my farming story? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That, <laughs> that, 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 so this, this all came about from, from a, uh, uh, it got me thinking, it's a bunny trail that, uh, that uh, I, I got to, to wandering down uh, because of a, a photograph that, that uh, someone had posted on Facebook, and so... It, it had been shared and it showed up in my in my feed on Facebook and it it was a, a picture of uh, a couple of young children uh, pulling cotton sacks through a cotton field picking cotton mm. and the, the 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 caption of the of the photograph just struck me it, it the caption essentially was saying if I, I'll paraphrase it I don't remember it precisely but I'll paraphrase it by mm-hmm. saying. Here are these poor children that were simply cogs in the machine or com- whatever. The, the, yeah. The, yeah, the machine of commerce of the time. Yeah, their their faces were hidden, uh, which was the intent of the author, because they were simply nameless, faceless cogs in the in a in a in a a business uh, enterprise that they had no control over, and it, it was it was it was it was. Presented the picture was presented as a as a picture of look how horrible this was. Right. And I looked at it and I said, well, okay, their their sock cotton sack that they're picking into is actually a little bit shorter than the one that I had, <laughs> be, be, because I did that uh, from the time that I was about six years old. My my father had a, a small cotton allotment. He raised cotton. Mm-hmm. I picked a lot of cotton, and my my. <laughs> My a, 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 a real a real cotton picker. Okay, yep. so so 
that term a, a cotton picking, picking whatever yeah, fill in the blank yeah, yeah they they were real cotton pickers yeah and 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 real ones they they pulled a sack that was 14 feet long so you you have this 14 foot sack and you're 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 bent over mm-hmm. you, you you if you don't have a week back when you start it it it'll be weak by the time you're finished and you start going down the row and and you you essentially if the cotton is short enough you straddle the row. If it's mm-hmm. not short enough, you walk beside the row, and you pull off cotton bowls and you put them in your sack. And so, after a while, you fill up this 14-foot sack. And uh, it, it generally, the way my father always arranged it, in the in the middle of a row. So our, the the rows of our cotton fields were, were generally fairly long, maybe a quarter of a mile, something wow, like yeah. that. So the, 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 you, would, you would set up a scale, a weighing station that was in the middle of that. Okay. Right? And the weighing station was a, a, a tripod, a TP-looking uh, arrangement of poles, generally three poles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that, you would, you would uh, uh, lower a scale. Get, and your, get your ropes together that are ropes on get, the corners of the bag you're dragging or sack you're dragging. Well, what, what you would do is, I, is actually you, you would... You would uh, Take the the uh, one end of the of the uh, of the sack mm-hmm. was was a a, a a loop that went around your shoulders. That's okay. the way you pulled. That's it. how you dragged it. So so when you went to weigh it, you you would put that over the scale, mm-hmm. and then you would have a, a loop of rope that would go, uh, if you will, a third of the way in from the other end of the stack. Okay. So what you and, and the, you would loop that over the scale. In essence, what you did All was you take, do is get it off the ground. You, yeah, and 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 it, it formed an S shape, if you will, if you can okay. think of it that way. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and so you weighed the you weighed the cotton, uh-huh. and uh, then you you dumped the after you'd weighed it, you dumped the, the cotton into a, a trailer, and emptied it out, and you started over again. Keep and going. You just did that over and over again. And so, as a as a child, I I, I did that. I, I I picked cotton. Uh, I think I got paid two cents a pound, if I remember right. Uh, so I could I, I could work all day picking cotton, and I could make two or three or four dollars, and that was pretty pretty neat De- stuff. You decent know. money back then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it did. It, 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 it was so. Yep. Er, earlier in the year, I would I would shop cotton. So so. Um, uh, uh, you, you you walk down the rows and you you try to chop out the weeds that are going to be stealing water that you mm-hmm. really want to go to the cotton and uh, you want to get the weeds out of the way so that when it comes time to pick the cotton you don't have to fight your way through weeds to get sure a couple reasons yeah so anyway that got me got me to thinking a little bit about my experiences in farming and 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 I I, I have to freely admit that I was not a farmer if you will I mean this right. was not something that that I that I you didn't plan to. it out. You didn't right and right and yeah. and I, and I didn't do it to the same depth that 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 youngsters of the, even of that day sure that lived on farms and that that farming was their livelihood. Mm-hmm. They they did lots more things and they did it in great depth and they did it better than I did. Uh, on on the other hand, my my dad did have a, a small farm, 160 acres, and we. I had the experience of, of helping to raise a lot of different crops, mm-hmm. uh, cotton being the most, um, um, uh, I, I guess, there's, it's, it has there's an interesting, or, well, yeah. it's an interesting cycle in actually raising cotton, you know, what you have to do at what time, sure. and, and how you tend the crop, if you will. But, 
And so that, that mm-hmm. further got me thinking. So you about, saw this picture and it's taking you back to this. And oh, yes. Yeah. And, and, realized, and I realized then that well, I, I, had, I did have something of a, of, a, of, a, of a kind of a unique experience because uh, my father was, was 45 years old when I was born. So, mm-hmm. so I was the youngest child of, of a fairly senior yeah. man, right? Yeah. Uh, t- t- today, my, my father, if my father were still alive, my, my father would be 123 years old right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he learned farming. He, he was a farmer in his early years. He learned farming uh, watching the back end of a horse or a mule. Yeah. His, his farm implements were all horse-drawn. Mm. So if you had to plow, it was a horse-drawn or a mule-drawn plow. Uh, if you had to cut something down, uh, like grain, mm-hmm. uh, you 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 cut it down with a with a mower that was a horse drawn mower, and and so everything was horse drawn. Well, as as my father uh, uh, grew up, if you will, uh, he, he he still I don't think he he, he never wanted to really be a farmer. But he liked to have a farm. We always called it his fun farm. Yeah. Because because you could you, we, we we were serious in raising. He was serious in raising certain crops and cattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were to augment. Sure. Uh, they weren't the income. primary right. activity. Yeah. But in the in the course of that, as he as he as he as he aged, as he got his own farm, he he acquired implements that were all intended to be horse drawn implements. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he did have a tractor, so he had a had a small Ford okay. Ferguson tractor. Now this is a, a the general image that we have of a tractor today is, is it's a big John Deere or a Massey Ferguson big honker, yeah, uh, big cabin on it, air conditioned, massive thing, yeah, yeah. My 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 brother uh, he, after he had a master's degree and was teaching and doing other things, uh, he 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 would still hire out to plow fields or drive a tractor because, as he put it, he got to sit in an air-conditioned cab and listen to music right? and, and drive a, a tractor that had power steering, right? So it, it was literally just, just a good way to spend an afternoon and, and make some good money. <laughs> well, my, my dad's tractor was a Ford Ferguson. This is a little, it's about the size of a Volkswagen, if you will. Oh, wow, uh, yeah. Four, four wheels, so, so not a... Not yeah. a tricycle mm-hmm. gear, but a, but but literally four wheels, two two front wheels, two two rear wheels, and uh, with a power takeoff on, on the oh, back yeah. of it, right? Yep. But his the farm implements that he used, everything that he was going to use in farming, had all come from being horse drawn. But he had arranged; he had either done it himself, or I'm sure hired. Uh, Someone to, to design, it, engineer, to, to basically yeah. to, to, to basically restructure those all of the horse-drawn uh, implements to be pulled by a tractor. Mm-hmm. Now, if you farm behind a horse, you just need one person to run all of those implements because the horses will or mules will pretty well take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that behind a tractor, you need two people because somebody's got to drive the tractor, somebody's got to control the farm implements, mm-hmm. and he, he he didn't. My dad didn't modify them to the extent that he was able to control them from the tractor. Okay. See, that would have been far too far too involved, too expensive. Right. Just couldn't be done. So that's I grew up 
my experience in farming was riding on the implements. I was the I was the, the, uh, the you were the tool control. Yeah, I was the, I was the power, if, if you will, to, to to make it work right. And and uh, with a little training, I learned how to do it without my dad screaming at me that it, you know it was time to do <laughs> not this. Now, I'm not now. now, yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> and and so so we had a series of, of implements that that uh, hooked onto the back of the tractor, and and I would ride on and and. and we would farm from that, mm-hmm. and so I, I thought. Well, it, it, it you know might be a little interesting to, to observe some of the tools that we had, mm-hmm. some of the ways that things that we used in farming, uh, in raising cotton. Uh, my dad actually had acquired uh, two of the of the primary tools or implements used in, in cotton farming for him uh, that actually did connect to the tractor and and were controlled from the tractor uh one was a was a, a planter attachment okay which is a, a a plow a plow with with uh an ability to plop seeds into the ground uh and drop a little uh, solid fertilizer along with the seeds okay and then the other was uh what we always called a, a cultivator Essentially, it was just a, a series of, uh, of very small plow shears mm-hmm. that would go into the ground uh, and straddle a row of cotton, and so it would it would uh, turn it the soil turn, turn the soil just a little bit. It yeah, was, it, it really wasn't just a, it wasn't a full up. plow that right. would make. The, now yeah. they, we had a full plow as well. Okay? Sure. So so, uh, but but the cultivator was the intent was to 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 keep the surface of the ground from getting too hard, so it could mm-hmm. absorb water when it rained. And to get rid of some of the bigger weeds okay. uh, and, and, and the like. Uh, but beyond that, then, for, for, for other things, particularly for raising green, uh, all of the implements that we used were, were of, the, of the earlier horse-drawn variety. Mm-hmm. And as I said, my, this was a fun farm for my dad, but he raised cattle. Mm-hmm. And so we raised a lot of feed grain yep. uh, that he would, he, would, he would feed to the, to the cattle. And that required certain of the implements uh, uh, that 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 I had to write right on the back and control. Right. So if you, if you think about feed grains, uh, uh, the, the, the commercial used to be that 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 that, that, the, that that the Native Americans called it maize. Right. right? It was right. corn, but it, they called they it called maize. It maize. Well, yeah. we, we we actually raised grains that were. I think properly termed maize, they actually were maize. They they they, they don't grow. Uh, it's not corn, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a grain that uh, uh, is broadleaf. It grows up to 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 three or four feet high. Okay. And then it sprouts a stalk out of the top of it, in which a uh, a bundle of uh, it almost looks like an inverted uh, uh, bundle of b- a batch of grapes. Okay. It grows with with very small seeds. Little. Attached to it, you know okay. that's that's the grain, right? And so, uh, so unlike corn, it doesn't have ears no. all along the stalk. It's it's all concentrated at the top. Concentrated at the top. Okay. And so to to harvest that, you uh, can you go through with a mower. Now a mower in this case, if you if you think of uh, the the uh, the trimmer, the hedge trimmer mm-hmm. that 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 it can be yeah, used so to like trim a it. horizontal blade arm right with, with reciprocating exactly 
contacted blades. So, just, we, so we had a had a horse drawn what had been a horse drawn variant of a, of a mower. It had a, I think it had a, a it, it was either a seven or nine foot blade on it mm-hmm. that could be uh, raised and lowered. So it could be raised to, to point vertically up, right? So or it could be lowered down, to board, lower down to do the mowing, right? Yeah. Okay. Or if you're, or if you're turning, if you're, or if you're if turning, you're, right? You're going to turn around, right? So, yep. So there, there was a seat on the mower, and uh, 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 there was a, a foot pedal mm-hmm. that you pressed on to raise the blade, and you let off of it to lower the blade. Okay. And, and so, when it came time to harvest grain, uh, you could do one of two things: if, if you really were going to cut it all down at once, then you would, would go through with the mower. You would cut off the stalks of grain as close to the ground as you could get. They, mm-hmm. they would all fall over. Uh, then you go out manually and... So you, manually you would go out and pick the stalks up that yeah, had the maize at the end of it? Or, well, yeah. you, you, you basically gather them up in your arms. Okay. You, you make a... You make, make a shock a, a of bundle. Sort. Well, you make a bundle. Okay, first. a bundle. So you make a bundle, so you, you gather a bunch of that up, mm-hmm. and you tie a cord around it. Okay. And you lay the bundles down, and then you go through with a, uh, a, a trailer on a tractor, and you toss the bundles onto that. Or you go through and simply make shocks okay. out of it. So you, 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 you start stacking up the bundles, mm-hmm. and you're going to stack them up so that water will drain off of them so that, that the grain doesn't rot in the field. Exactly. The stuff will last for a long period of time when you, when you do that. So, mm-hmm. so you, uh, you, you, you create the, 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 the bundles, then you stack the bundles into shocks. It's similar to the what we see today driving down the road in rural areas. You'll see the the round bales of of hay that because of that shape they're able to shed water over the sides it kind of makes a self-protecting uh structure and and, and interesting what i find fascinating with with the big circular bundles uh, mm-hmm. uh in in many instances they will actually put in a sheet of plastic as it's starting to to roll the bundle up yeah uh, the bale up i guess they still call them bales and and so this sheet of plastic will will wrap around and and in the end the outside is actually covered by plastic. Yeah. Uh, so that it, it 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 again keeps it from rotting in the field and mm-hmm. it'll last for a long period of time. Well, with with grain, yep. you, you 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 build one variant of it is you you build shocks uh, on uh, bundles. You shocks mm-hmm. store Bundle them shocks. to you to you ready to, to to feed cattle and then you go out and. Uh, uh, toss a, a shock onto the to the trailer, and you pull that back, and you can spread it out to, to feed the cattle with. So the cattle ate the the maize directly off of the stock. They could. Yes. Okay. So so this was one variant. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, another variant of, of harvesting that was you'd walk out with a go out with a, a curved blade, mm-hmm. and literally cut off the the green stalk at the very top okay right and so you can do that and 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 collect that that grain and so then you just had you had pure pure grain mm-hmm. and uh you could accumulate a, a wagon full of that mm-hmm. and my dad then would would haul that down to uh i, I think this was all done at, a, at the cotton gins in, in in town okay but he would hold they they, they could actually grind uh, grains, okay, and so they, they he would take it in. They would grind the grain up and force it out. If you if you think in terms of a sausage maker 
uh, extruding like a crank. Yeah, and, well, and yeah. It, it just, yeah, just extruding, extruding a, a stream of meat okay. into a casing, and you tie that off, and you now have sausages, right? Right. Well, you you can do that with with uh, feed grain, feed grains. You grind it up, make a what's called a meal out of it, mm-hmm. and compress that. And as it as it is extruded, it will break up into little segments that are maybe two to four inches long or two or three inches long. Mm-hmm. And so you have pell- it makes pellets, okay. if you will, yeah. out, of, out of out of the, uh, the ground grain meal. Mm-hmm. You make pellets, and that becomes a, a, a great source of uh, of uh, it's it's very high protein. As I was going to say, out. yeah. And so you can, when you go to feed the cattle, you can uh, you could go out with a with a bucket of pellets, and you drop a few pellets onto dry grass, mm-hmm. and cattle would love to eat the pellets that that they, they that was flavorful to them. But in the course of doing that, they would eat the dry grass as well, mm-hmm. and and so. Uh, it, it was a way that you kind of stretched the uh, the value of the grass that you had to feed the cattle with. Cool. So anyway, so the, in that case, the the, 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 the horse drawn farm implement was a was a mower. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, other variants uh, uh, raising grain, if uh, you graze rye or wheat or mm-hmm. some such, uh, that that was not a row crop. The, the grains I've been talking about here were kind of row crops. You planted planted mm-hmm. the, those feed grains in a row. And it, you could harvest them that way. Uh, uh, grains that were, if you will, sowed in a, in a broadcast fashion, like wheat. Uh, there are no rows. It's 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 just a solid it's mass. Just a field of, with yeah, a yeah bunch of bunch of bunch green of, stalks yeah. growing up. Okay. Uh, when you went to harvest that, uh, and, and this was this was for us was pre combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, implements. We didn't use a combine. We we would uh, go through with a mower and mow this down, mow it down. And, and again, this, this was generally all for for feeding cattle with it. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. The advancement of the combine actually gave you a couple of things. One, it put the tool in front of the tractor, right? So you could you you weren't crushing you weren't crushing things before they got to the tool right so you you didn't have that loss but then also with the combine it gets pulled in and then there were much more advanced tools further through that process and literally you'd have grain dumping right out the back into a trailer and, and that's actually the the, the the combine if you will yeah. it's a, it's a mm-hmm. combination of the cutting operation so you're cutting the stalks down mm-hmm. and the extraction of the grain from the stalks and so, so what's what's going into the storage bin is just the pure grain, and what's being tossed out as 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 refuse, if you will, was the straw. Hence the name combine. Combine. It's a combination of those two steps in yep. one pass, in one, in one pass. tool. Yeah. But so we so we before did, that, you, before you that. still have the tool at the back because this is all based on a horse right. drawing it through, and you could maybe imagine with a anyway. There's. Carry well, on. Yeah, so, cool. Well, so, it's a so if, if you think about it, when you when you run a mower, the yep. the, the, the mower blade is to the side, mm-hmm. and so the way you harvest the the grain in, in that case, you start without, at the edge with, of the field. You start at the edge of the field, yeah. and, and that way you're not you're you're never driving, you're never driving through over what, you're, what you're trying to mow down. You're yeah. driving beside it. But and, then, you, but then you always need to pick up 
what you just mowed down before you drive over it to mow down the next section. Absolutely. Well, you 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 you, you, you if you start the right way, you, I'm, you I'm get trying to figure the the typewriter maneuver here of how yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, once once you have it down uh, down, yep. the, the the next step though is you do have to pick it up. Yeah. And to pick it up, you you have to have you have to rake it. So yeah. You literally have to have a rake. So so we had a what had been a horse drawn rake. Uh, this is a, a, a you know twelve well probably fifteen feet long uh, device wheels at each end and mm-hmm. and and uh, blades that that if you will shifted down that the, there were tines of a fork if you will that okay. were shifted down yeah okay I see and it. so the control was you could raise those up or lower them mm-hmm. right so that was that was uh, my job. Uh, and the, the, what what you want to do is go through the field such that you 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 rake up, uh, if you will, almost a cylinder of straw, and then you lift the tines up, and that cylinder stays put. Yeah, it drops and, it right there. Right, and then so you've you gathered circle, it a bit. Yeah, you circle around and you 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 do it again, and in the end, what you have is this long tube of straw s- stretching out across the field. So do you, let's say you've got your quarter mile field right? and you start at one corner of the field with your mower down, your tractor is outside of the field, right? the mower's inside the field, and you're mowing, go down there, and now you've got all of this grain and its stalks laying there, or the wheat is laying there, then do you change tools at the other end? How do you... How do you then go back and do well, that? Well, it's do that second, raking. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, so basically, you cut it all down, and, okay. it, and at that point, you don't worry that much that you drive over it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. so you, it's not that you, you, the next step doesn't. There isn't a way to do it without. I was wondering if driving was a, on it. Yeah. Okay. But 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 what you can do is again you start at the side of the of the, of the wheel and uh, mm-hmm. of the field, and you start creating these rows. Of, right. You're gathering of, it. In you're it. gathering. And you and you yep. put it. You you end up with a with a long, as I say, mm-hmm. tube that stretches from one end of the field to the other. And then what do you do? And now you could go through, and depending on what you want to do with it, uh, it, it, in general, you you go through and and with a pitchfork, mm-hmm. you you go down throw the road it over your shoulder, and you throw into it over your shoulder into a trailer. <laughs> okay. And yeah. you, you haul that trailer, and and so you either either go and, and we we did both things. You can go, and there was a particular place close to the barn where my dad had like three tall posts set in a line in the ground. Mm-hmm. And starting, uh, you, you you as you haul the, the straw up, you uh, you start creating a pile <laughs> okay, around those stakes. Around the stakes, okay. Right, and the stakes would give the pile stability. Oh, and so yeah. you, you you create a pile, uh, but and and you do it in a in a fashion such that it's higher in the middle than mm-hmm. it is towards the edges. And by using your pitchfork uh, appropriately, you can kind of arrange the straw such that at the end you have this, you have this, 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 this mound that's it, kind mound, of right, sloping down. With, with the sloping down, has a, has a curved top on it, yeah. and that will shed water. Mm-hmm. And, and so now as you want to feed the cattle, you start at one end and you go in and and you pull off a, a, a trailer load mm-hmm. of straw with your pitchfork, and you go feed the cattle, and you just you consume that uh, sure. that, that, that 
And I, and I have to observe that my, my dad loved to try different things, so there's all <laughs> kinds of things. The, the absolute worst experience that I ever had was one year he decided to plant a field of rye. Okay. Now, rye it has the interesting property of all of these type of grains have uh, as, as part of the, the developing grain itself. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a fiber that comes out of one end. It's, okay. it's like a whisker. Okay. They call it whiskers about one end. For wheat and other grains, that's yeah, kind of innocuous. It turns out that for rye, uh, that was literally like fiberglass. Oh, it 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 got would into everything. Stick, it, it got into everything. It itchy, clung to everything. Scratchy. Yes. And and so I remember uh, that he only did it one year. He raised a field of rye, <laughs> and I had to I had to go through and with with a pitchfork. You know, Pick oh, and you're up. just throwing that over your head like you're Uh-oh. slinging. And it was just fireglass over your every, head. It really was. It was into everything. It itched. It hurt. Uh, that 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 evening, uh, literally, as we were we were driving back in, it was this was a, a 15 mile trip from uh-huh. our farm back into town. Uh, but uh, about uh, uh, three miles or four miles from the farm towards town, we would pass a, a pond, a lake. <laughs> And, and that day, I, I I had my I just had to force my father to Dad, pull, pull, pull over. over. Yeah, <laughs> I got out, stripped off everything, and jumped. Did he in know what way. you were up to? I mean, in other words, this is weird. Why is Tim asking me to insistently yeah, yeah. pull oh, over right now? Oh no, now? no, he I mean, he, he knew very okay. well. What, yeah, yeah. You know, he, <laughs> he, he he was he was he was a wise man. He yeah. he, he chose not to get involved. <laughs> he was like. All right, Tim. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah. this will help things out. Uh. Let's let you go do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and I did, and and uh, oh my goodness, that was the worst itchy thing. But I, I stripped off and and went into the. Like, I think I think I may have read, driven the rest of the way home in nothing but a towel. Yep. Uh, I I don't think because you I, don't want anything to do with those clothes. I didn't. I I didn't put them back on. And, no. and uh, uh, <laughs> we made it in. But Your I, mom's like Timothy. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> when I when I would come in from the farm, I I, I, I it, it, it you leave was it at not, the doorstep. Well, I would leave it at the doorstep, but when I when I would take a bath, okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I I always grew up taking baths. I could shower, but I could take yeah. a bath. When I got out of the bathtub, there was a ring around the tub. Yeah. <laughs> and, yep. Yeah, it, it it was that way. So well, that's cool. I mean that and. Just the adaptation of, of the horse-drawn tool to be able to mount it to a tractor, connect to the power. That, right. Just as an engineering exercise, I'm sure every tool, plus providing controls that could handle whatever yep. new type of torque was being brought to it was something else. And I don't know that we have time to go into that today, but it's kind of, I mean, there's a lot in that. Yeah, well, there, 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 the one observation I would like to make is, is I I think I may have commented in the past, or maybe not, that that, that my dad had a, had a small allotment for raising cotton. You had, you had to mm-hmm. literally get a government permit to raise cotton, and you could only raise a, a given amount. And, and the, the, there was a, a, a an agent from the government that would come out and measure the size of your field well, that's an interesting discussion, all of in itself. It is. Yep. You, you had to get a, you had to essentially get a certificate or a stamp mm-hmm. before you could sell the cotton to before a gin would accept it. 
And and so uh, my dad had a six-acre cotton allotment. And uh, once the field was planted, when it, it got up, uh, the, it was, the, the cotton was up to oh, six or eight inches tall. You, you would make an appointment. A government agent would come out. He had a chain, uh, kind, of, kind of looked like a football uh, okay. measuring yeah. chains. Uh, he would have a chain, and he would he would he would uh, uh, inchworm it down the side of the field, and he would basically measure the size of the field. And and uh, if you if you went over, if it was over six inches, he made you plow under enough of the plants to get you back to six acres. Uh, so so uh, there 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 was there was an allotment for a small amount. Somebody didn't want competition. Yeah, anyway. well, yeah, it it it, it went it went all the way through the law, absolutely, mm-hmm. to to, uh, to to make sure that there was controls on that. Anyway, point being, my sure. my, my dad um, uh, allowed first my brother uh, and then myself. Each of us, I think, maybe my brother only did it for three years. I did it for four. My dad would would essentially give us that cotton allotment as our summer job. Mm-hmm. So raise a cotton crop, and and my my I, I throughout my life I've always thought, thought it interesting. My brother, I'm convinced, hit the three worst years for raising cotton ever. He hit the and, lean and years, I hit, I hit and you the hit the best. jackpot. Yeah, I hit jackpot. the jackpot. <laughs> but but that yeah. was my cotton crop to, to right. deal with, and my dad would let me do everything. I mean, I, I had mm-hmm. to do everything. It was your job. Chop it, pick it, yeah. I'd do it all, except for planting it. Oh, uh, yeah. He would not let me run the planter, and and I, I appreciate it now more mm-hmm. than, than I did at the time because – I always thought, well, you could just, you know, you could teach me how to do that, and I think, in essence, my my dad said, you're you're not going to have enough years to learn how to do this particular part because yeah. planting there there were so many things going on at the same time that you had to pay attention to that it it was difficult it was a difficult thing to teach yeah. because you didn't want to have any mistakes show up. Mm-hmm. So the point is that you you're, you're plant you plant two rows of cotton at a time. There's a there's a you use a planter that has a, uh, a couple of blades that that separate the, the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then drop periodically, like every mm-hmm. six inches, you want to drop one or two seeds into the ground. You want to put some fertilizer down, and mm-hmm. then behind that you have a couple of rakes coming along close that close it. the earth over the top of it, and so. The the you you have to maintain spacing. So you plant two rows. Those are those are going to be properly spaced. But the next two rows you have to to, to make them be exactly spaced from the first two rows. Exactly, and that's the skill in the handling, the driving, and monitoring all monitoring, that other stuff. Right, and yeah. and so you have to you have to if you watch if you knew exactly how to watch, you could actually watch the seeds going into the ground. You mm-hmm. could actually watch the fertilizer going in. And you go watch the ground being closed behind it, and you drove the tractor. That's behind you. That's the, behind the rows ahead of you. The rows ahead of you. And unless you're like, well, basically, because you're going in opposite direction, you can you can see the row behind you, and you can possibly see how you're varying. But then to have the right control. Yeah, and, and so to do this, my dad, my yeah. dad, but literally would be would be cocked at about about a 45 degree angle Mm -hmm. you know so with with one eye literally with one eye he his peripheral vision was looking down at the back and doing that for six acres and you do that for six acres and so that was that was the one act that he wouldn't let me do sure 
because when you got through, the, the rows had to be properly spaced so that the cultivator and and other any other equipment mm-hmm. was going to be properly spaced. Otherwise, it, yeah. it didn't do you Otherwise, good. Otherwise, yeah, you're running over stuff. You're running yeah. over stuff. So, so cool. he would he would do that, but yep. every everything else uh, I did myself. You had the lane set for you. You would just yep drive down those paths. Maybe, maybe yeah. at a maybe at a, at a in a future discussion we can fill in a little bit with uh, yeah. with, with with what it's like to, to actually raise a cotton crop. But uh, going mm-hmm. back, this this was all stimulated from the from a the photo of, of on, the, uh, on on Facebook. Yeah, you know, how terrible it was that little kids <laughs> had to go out and work in a cotton field. And I thought, well, okay, uh, yeah, I, have a little experience at that. Yeah, literally from the ground up. Yeah, well, cool. And uh, it, it it was it's it's like uh, it's it, it's like many other things. It was really neat to have done that. Right. <laughs> It was, a, never it was have an interesting done it again. phase of yeah. You you learn from that, right? Yes. Yeah, you, you, it, you do learn. It's it's a it's a good it's a good experience in in the fact that doing homework wasn't quite so bad, and mm-hmm. going to class wasn't quite so bad because it meant that you really didn't have to go back and, and do that. Now there are a lot of people that that are, are farmers at heart. They want to do oh, yeah. that, you know, and, and they do both. They go to college. They 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 learn an awful lot, and then they go back and do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they do it really well, and I, I have great respect for that. But in my case, uh, as a child, it was uh, a youngster. It was it was great to have that experience. You, you mm-hmm. got, a, got a lot of experience in in responsibility and and, and authority to, as as mm-hmm. well. You know, there was a lot of stuff that, that I did because I it was I viewed it was time to do it. My dad mm-hmm. dad didn't have to tell me to go do it. But on the other hand, it was it was a nice experience to have had, and I'm, I'm happy to leave it back there. Well, that's that's a good story, and I appreciate it for sharing it. <laughs> you get you can't say that I'm not don't have a wealth of bunny trails to wander down. So yeah, we both wander in there. Yeah. Well, good stuff, Tim. Enjoyed it. It was fun. See you next time. All right. Bye bye. And that is a wrap on episode thirty of the Mike Newman Show. And Tim and I, you know, we found a way to get around a couple topics there. It was uh, it was good talking, and we did get a look at those pictures. That was pretty cool. I'm going to have to go back and look at the specific, I, I believe it was the first flight of the Challenger, and there was a, a system called PAM, PAM. It was a McDonnell Douglas uh, system that was used for deploying uh, the first commercial satellite in the back of a shuttle, and that was on the Challenger flight. I believe eventually it went up in March or April of um, 1983. That was delayed a bit due to some storms on the pad. It was the first launch of Challenger. Uh, as you recall, Challenger uh, served from 1983 to 1986, and the uh, the tragic explosion there in I believe it was the spring of uh, spring yeah it was spring of 1986 uh, when the um, when the booster engine uh, uh, fatally exploded. Um, anyway, well, that's kind of a bummer, but it is a, a strong piece of history in the, in the U S uh, space program. So we, we always enjoy, um, you know, as you know, talking about space stuff. So, um, yeah, as you know, this is a value for value, uh, project pro- value for value activity. If you have a good time, uh, getting some value from this, you enjoy our discussions, uh, feel free to go to my brand new, buymeacoffee.com site. Uh, it's just a page where you can send some cash in my direction and I'll put it to the good use of the podcast by, you know, I have it listed there as buy Mike Newman a server time. <laughs> so 
So it's by mic, a ver or a noun, and you fill in what you want. So server time. It takes a little bit of dollars every month to keep this uh, the hosting for this uh, file running, the the MP3, the the audio that you're listening to, and um, the web page that you're uh, able to go to at mikenewman.show. And if you have any feedback to us, uh, topics or questions, uh, there's a lot of ways you can do that, but uh, we went a little long today, and I'll save that for another time. But just let us know you're out there, and uh, we look forward to the next episode, which we should be able to do in about two weeks' time. So until then, John 317.